Welcome to Genuine Humans, exploring the stories behind the great marketing leaders of our time and hearing how their journeys have influenced the brands they've built. Brought to you by The Social Element, here are our hosts, Tamara Littleton, CEO and founder, and Wendy Christie, Chief People Officer. Welcome to the Genuine Humans podcast. Wendy, it's lovely to see your face. I know that no one else can, but how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been really good. It's been busy, productive, just how I like it. And I'm just gearing up for a week off with the family. How's things with you? I think uh, slightly running on empty at the moment. I've had uh, just a couple of hours sleep. I'm still adapting to have having a little baby in my life, but it's absolutely wonderful. But yeah, tiny bit tired, but smashing through it. I remember it well. <laughs> well, today's guest is the fabulous Jess Myers. And Jess has a wealth of experience in brand management at financial institutions. Her current role is Director of Brand and Marketing at Metro Bank. Jess, it's so lovely to have you here on our podcast. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for welcoming me along. Jess, can you explain what your current role is at Metro Bank? Yeah, absolutely. So my role is Director of Brand and Marketing at the bank. I've been with Metro Bank for just over a year now. I also sit on the bank's executive committee, which means I report into the CEO as well. And when I joined Metro Bank, I was the first brand and marketing director. So they've never had anyone in this role before. In fact, Metro Bank had never really done any marketing in the past. The bank's about 10 years young and we've been building the brand one store at a time. And we call our branches stores because we offer a retail experience. And we have 77 of these stores across the country. So building the brand one store at a time with some local events and a bit of social media But the organisation made the decision that they wanted a brand and marketing director to come in and to uh, build our brand and marketing function almost from scratch. I inherited five people when I joined and now I've built a full function out over the course of, of the year. And my role is really around building awareness in the brand and all the wonderful things that Metrobank does to have really great connections with its customers, and, and we call them fans, and to make sure the marketing function are there to support the acceleration for the business. So marketing is a growth machine for, for the business. So it's been an incredible 12 months. I've loved absolutely every single moment of it. But yeah, that's that's my role. That's fantastic. And, and what a year to be uh, going through such a sort of transformation as well. Going back, though, I'd love to hear about how you got to where you are now, because uh, I know from from chatting to you that marketing was definitely a calling for you. Um, Are you able to share with everyone how you sort of started your career and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, definitely. So slightly randomly, I think it was really early on, one of my parents' friends had said, oh, you're bubbly and fun and outgoing. Maybe you'd enjoy a career in marketing. I mean, what a cliche is that? But it landed me a week's worth of work experience up in London. And I was in the West End working for um, a real estate company. I loved it. I had a great week in London. And on the Friday, I remember we had this agency presentation. I can't remember which agency it was, but they came in, did a presentation, then they took us all out for lunch for the afternoon. And I thought, wow, 
this is exactly where I want to be. Little did I know that was going to significantly change over the course of my career. So I knew I wanted to get into marketing. I liked the idea of it. So I had my eyes set on that. And I chose a course um, at Oxford Brookes University, which is a business and marketing management course. I loved it. I fell in love with the university. I could really see myself being there. And what I really loved about the course is that it was a sandwich course. So you do two years at uni, you go off on placement for a year and you come back for your final year. And I was really lucky to land a role at American Express. So I was one of four uh, marketing interns. I was the UK marketing assistant. And my job was to get merchant offers and put them on your statement so you could get you know, a discount off if you used your American Express card. And that was really cool, right? Because I got to work with like retail merchants and I did a um, uh, American Express card members event with Agnes B and I was like this is amazing I totally want to be doing something like this and then I was offered a so finished off my year with, with Amex went back to uni finished my degree and then I was offered a place on their graduate program and then to my parents horror I decided to turn down that one of 10 places I think it was to follow a boy to Australia I bet they were thrilled with that decision <laughs> they, well, they are, I think they are now because I think that decision helped me get to where I am today. But at the time, no, no, they, they weren't <laughs> delighted. And so when I landed in Australia, I always wanted to be in Sydney. I thought Sydney was amazing. So I got to Sydney and I managed to land a job, um, which was a three month contract with a bank called CBA. I had no idea who they were. I went and asked my boyfriend, said, who, who, who is this bank? And they said, oh, it's the, it's the largest bank in Australia. Sounds great. That three months then turned into 10 years. And that's where wow. the first part of my career started. And I had an extraordinary amount of opportunities to really build my marketing experience and move into a number of different roles. I finished up in the brand team there. And after I had my first child, I decided I wanted to come back to the UK and be closer to my family. So came back to London and then took a role with RBS, now called the, the NatWest Group. I spent five years as head of brand for RBS, and I looked after their portfolio of, of 12 different brands before Metrobank got in touch. And I think the, the important piece for, for me on that journey, um, especially at the end, was that idea of sort of moving forward, trying lots of different things, taking new roles, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And then when you're feeling like you're not making the progress that you're after, you know, throwing something out to the universe and saying, I'm ready for a change. And it literally was the same week when Metrobank got in touch and said, look, we've got this brand new, exciting opportunity. Is that something you might be interested in? And I literally took the handle for it. So um, that's how I ended up at, at Metrobank. And I think it's one of those kind of sliding doors moments that, uh, you know, it's always brave to make a decision like that, to just say, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to go to Australia. And you'll never know how how things turned out. But it, it sounds like this is such a great move for you. And, and I applaud that kind of sense of adventure. I think, you know, it's just this year especially has, has taught us that, and I'm sure we'll come on to, on to it a bit more later, but take every opportunity, you know, make sure you're really taking every chance to live life to the most and follow your dreams and your, your career aspirations and, and just make the most of it because you never know what's around the corner. Absolutely. So can we go back even further um, in your journey about and talk about what led up to all this, starting from when you were a child? So what were you like when you were little? Sure. I was a bit naughty. 
and quite mischievous <laughs> actually I think my mother will say or did say to me at the time I hope you have a daughter like yourself so you know what I had to go through so that paints a bit of a picture <laughs> of, of Jess as a, as a child and, you know, and I wasn't very good at school no I wasn't very academic in fact even today I'm a much more practical person I learn by by doing so I avoided any opportunity of not being in a classroom so I did every single sport you could imagine I was dancing I was acting I was singing basically debating anything to avoid actually being in the classroom and I doing work <laughs> one moment where it's quite a defining moment actually where you know the headmaster of the school whipped me and my parents into his office one day and said look this girl isn't going to leave school with a GCSE to her name. She just can't do it. You know, you you might, might get her into to beauty school, but she's definitely not going to go any further. Wow. And that was a big moment. One, of course, my parents were shocked. But for me, I thought, how dare you tell me what I can and can't do? How dare you tell me I can't do this? And even today, I find nothing more motivating than someone thinking that I can't do something and I swear that's what set me off on the course that I am today because I said actually I'm going to prove you wrong and and I did because now I'm sitting on the executive committee for a bank and unfortunately for him he actually ended up in jail so uh I was going to say hopefully that was his plan all along there was going to be motivation for you but perhaps not (laughs) so before you had that uh, that work experience did you have any sense of what you wanted to be when you grew up I definitely wanted to be an actress. This must have come down to all the dance and drama that I was doing at, yes. at school, but I absolutely fancied myself on the big screen. I was slightly dramatic um, uh, uh, when I was younger, and I just loved the idea of making it in Hollywood. The idea of that and being an actress was really quite appealing. I think I went as far as searching courses at like RADA and thinking, oh, can I get into that? That sounds amazing. But yeah, <laughs> I think someone nudged me on a different career path, but yeah. An actress would have been fabulous. Have you been putting yourself forward for like the uh, Metro Bank ads and that kind of thing? I've always made, um, promise myself that I will never do that because there's nothing more you know, cringy than a client wanting to be in an ad. But I'm much better behind the screen, to be honest. But yes, I do think when I'm reading a script, I really bring my all to it. So yeah, that's where you'll see my talent start to arrive. <laughs> and thinking about the jobs that you've had, and maybe you haven't had a worse job, but... Is there a worse job that you've ever had? Not, not really. I've never had an absolute howler. I've always worked. I've always had a really good work ethic. So I've had jobs since I've been about 14. So I've done every sort of waitressing job you can probably think of. The worst ones probably when I was working in the local pub. I was about 14. I was washing dishes. Fairly horrendous. I used to do that, you know, every weekend. And I worked for two completely crazy landlords. Like they were just off the charts craziness. <laughs> um, that was quite amusing. Um, and then the, the other one would be I worked in our local spa on the till. And um, doing that at seven o'clock in the morning when you're at sick form and you might have had a night out, again, that wasn't great either. But perseverance, I always showed up no matter. Yeah. How I was feeling, yeah, and I and I've always had a job, so I think I've I learned a really good work ethic early on. But I don't have any, you know, I don't have any howlers to tell you. I'm afraid. That's okay. Oh no, I'm pleased for you that you don't. <laughs> and other than sort of stuff you've already talked about, you know, taking every opportunity and following the boy, um, is there any advice that you'd give to your teenage self? 
get loads of life experience before life gets too serious. Don't waste your time watching Big Brother during the day, which I think is probably what I did when I was a bit younger. You know, make sure you see the world. You know, go out and experience different cultures, make loads of real friends and just be a decent human being. Perfect. Thank you. Thinking about all the people that you've worked with over the years, and I can imagine that you've worked with some really great people, which genuine humans have influenced your career the most? I've got three who I'll probably touch on um, of people who have influenced my career. And I've been really lucky to work with loads of really amazing people. So actually, it's quite hard to to, to narrow it down. There was one lady I worked with um, in Australia. Her name's Monique McLeod, and she is the chief marketing officer for the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. So that's where I worked for, for 10 years. And, you know, I, I was really lucky to work with her and alongside her for, for quite a while. And you know, she's a really strong, focused and caring female. She has this absolutely amazing way of always asking the perfect right question. And she does it in such a coaching way. She has this wonderful elegance and poise about her but such strength and such focus and discipline. And I really just watched and learnt and absorbed and admired the way that she managed her career. She built really great relationships. She's a full-time working mum. And I think I just absorbed so much from her throughout that, Mm. my time working with her. She, and also another chap, his name um, is Mark Buckman. They, They also taught me about power and the importance of having really strong agency relationships so they both came from agency side and moved client side and back then this is probably 15-ish years ago there was a really difficult culture in the marketing team where there might have been a bit of a master servant relationship with our agency partners and that was stamped out instantly and the importance of building strong relationships um, surrounding yourself with great agency partners, trusting in each other and, and really partnering in a way that drives excellence was role modelled. And it's something I hold on to today. And I hugely value the relationships we have with our agency partners. They are part of our team. I often talk about surround yourself with rock stars. They are rock stars. They are, they are, they are part of our team. And making sure you have a really great culture where you foster that is really, really important. And then the last one, I couldn't go through this section without talking about the wonderful David Weldon, who I had the chance to work with at um, RBS for about five years. And he's an extraordinary man and he's so experienced in brand building. And he taught me the power of building purpose-led brands, really telling that brand story that comes from the start of who you are and what you stand for, and that your brand is quite simply everything that you do. The other thing that he really taught me is how he navigated his role as the chief marketing officer at RBS, which must have been hugely challenging. And I've taken so much from what I learned from David, both in his brand experience, but also his experience in sitting on an executive committee. I've taken so much of that into the role that I I do today. So I'm hugely grateful to him, which he he knows of how he's really helped me um, on the course of the last year that I've been on. So yeah, some really wonderful people I've had the chance to work with. Uh, just thinking about the brands, I mean, you've worked with some massive financial brands in, in your career so far. And I know that that industry has been through a lot of change itself. But what has been the biggest transformation that you've seen personally? 
I've seen so many transformations and so much time, so many times of, of change um, throughout my career. I've been lucky to have learned so much from all of these. But the, the example that I'll bring up, though, for this would be the transformation that the Commonwealth Bank of Australia went through whilst I was there, because I was there for, for, for 10 years. At the time when I joined, the customer service at the bank was terrible. They, they measured themselves on a Roy Morgan um, uh, customer satisfaction tracker. And at that point, the bank was in dead last place. I think they were like 12% behind the, the leader at, at the time. The service was, was, was pretty bad. And a new CEO came in into um, the bank and said, we're going to be number one for, for customer service and threw down the gauntlet and, and the entire organisation transformed around that. So that was real clear ambition and purpose to be extraordinary at delivering great customer service across everything that we do. So we, the entire bank went on a massive transformation programme to deliver great service, to upgrade all of their technology and their core banking systems. And it got to the point where the, the deadline had been set, which was back in 2010, and they missed it. So they'd gone from dead last place to about second place and they just about missed it. Reset gave us another year. And at that point, it was seen that marketing really was the final lever that could be pulled to help really kind of champion the brand, the business and get us over the line. And so we re-looked at the brand and completely refreshed and repositioned the Commonwealth Bank brand and delivered an extraordinary brand campaign that started at the core and galvanizing our people holding on to that great culture and really talking about the difference and what makes the bank extraordinary and got the bank across the line and the bank's now number one for customer service i think it's still there today now and that was an extraordinary turnaround story from being in dead last place with legacy systems um dated approach to, to service it's been seen as a kind of recessive um, necessity to the bank really being so core to people's lives that they are today and just seeing that sheer transformation was yeah extraordinary and, and one of those things I look back on and think I'm just so glad and um, proud to have been part of that journey. That's an incredible achievement and and really sort of shows the the strength of, of purpose-led marketing as well. So spanning your career what have you been most proud of so far? I would previously have probably asked that question and talked about my Commonwealth Bank experience and saying I was so proud of being part of that journey, but it sort of pales in comparison to the year that we've just had, actually, which has been, I refuse to use the word extraordinary circumstances, you know. Unprecedented. <laughs> unprecedented times. But actually, it really has been quite quite a journey. If you think about joining the bank in I joined the bank in, in November and the first thing I did was launch our first ever brand campaign and the campaign performed incredibly well so proud of how the work landed and how our teams galvanized behind it and how we had really deep wonderful connections with our customers and how we were able to talk about the brand and the service we provide and, and get the message out to really help drive our key drivers of brand awareness and brand consideration and brand familiarity. So seeing the dial move and all of those was a really great, great moment. But then we hit COVID. And one of the things I'm most proud of is how the team and the bank really got together and dug deep to support our colleagues, our customers and our communities. And that's the point where we're able to have purpose-led conversations to say, well, if our purpose is to create fans and our ambition is to be the UK's best community bank, well, what do, what do we do? Well, that means that 
at all costs. We look after our colleagues, our customers and our communities, which means we keep every single one of our stores open. We keep our contact centre open so customers can call us. We find different ways to support our customers in times of need. And I've never seen an organisation get behind that purpose as much as I have done at Metrobank over the course of the last year. So the COVID was, you know, there was a challenging time for months whilst we were really in this washing machine of trying to get communications out to customers who were really struggling. You know, small businesses, repaying your mortgage, your credit cards, and we needed to be there to support our customers. And the bank did extraordinary things to, to, to do that. And our team being marketing, were producing all the communications behind that, sending all the communications out. So now, you know, I'd be up until 2 a.m. writing FAQs to go on the website. And so a huge moment of pride about how the team really got together and, and did that. Plus the team had grown across the course of the year. So team grew by about 300%. And so most of our team have joined since we've been in lockdown. They've wow. only met each other virtually, which is, you know, you, you would never usually experience that. And then the point of why I'm so proud about all of this is we did our culture scores at the end of the year. And the culture scores for our team were, they were amazing. They really were. They're some of the best in the bank, actually. And so having gone through all of this, building a new team from scratch, going through these extraordinary times to come out at the very end with a team feeling really proud about where they work, what they do, the leadership they have, the care they have for each other, how they're being supported in their growth and development. That's my biggest moment of pride. It sounds like it has been an opportunity to really kind of pull people together in the team as well, which is amazing. I know that you and I have talked about this before, Jess, about the importance of a genuine human connection. And obviously, we've named our podcast after Genuine Humans. But you talked a lot about connecting with your your uh, consumers, your customers. How how does Metro Bank really connect with your uh, customers in that genuine way? Metro Bank do this in a way that I've never experienced before at any other bank. If you want an example of genuine humans walk into one of our stores or pick up the phone and speak to one of our colleagues because they are all genuine humans. And it's it's based on the fact that Metro Bank, has, when we were founded, our purpose has always been to create fans. When I say fans, fans aren't just customers. Fans are, are customers who actively advocate for us in their centres of, of influence. Our, our fans love us. Our, our, our colleagues love us. It's extraordinary. And the ambition of the bank is to be the UK's best community bank. And so what that really means in practice is around focusing on delivering unparalleled service. And we do that consistently. In fact, we are, we sit at the top of all the customer service tables that banks get measured at. And we are a country mile away from some bank because the service genuinely is extraordinary. And that's because we focus on creating a fan after every interaction. So we make sure that we surprise and delight our customers and you have unbank-like experiences. So we wrote a, when we were first founded, we wrote a list of everything that consumers hated about banking. So I hate that the bank is closed on the weekend or you're only open when I'm at work or it takes me six weeks to get an appointment with you and then three weeks for you to send me my card in, in the post, which is why Metro Bank is open seven days a week. It's why we open before nine and after five. It's why you can walk in on the spot and open up a current account with us. We will print your card in the store and your checkbook should you want it. We also 
love it when you bring your kids and your dogs in. In fact, we'll give your kid a lollipop. We'll give your dog a dog biscuit. <laughs> we'll ask your child to put money into our magic money machine to, to start their savings and they'll win a prize. So, you know, everything's focused on surprising and delighting at every single moment. There, and there are extraordinary stories about how our colleagues have gone the extra mile to um, to wow our customers. One of the ones I love the most is one of our customers had to go to hospital and didn't have any of their banking cards with them. And so one of our store colleagues printed off a new card for the customer in the store and took it to the hospital so the customer could then buy food from the concession within the hospital. Now, wow. Would you see any other bank no. doing that? That's <laughs> genuine humans genuinely caring about their customers. If, if one of our colleagues knows it's your birthday, there'll be a birthday cake ready for you when you come into the store. If they know you've just gone off on your honeymoon, they'll send you a congratulations card from the bank. And that's genuine humans. And that's the culture at Metro Bank. That's our special source. It's unparalleled. And it really is. It really is magical. God, that's really heartwarming. I love that. And what's your biggest priority for the year ahead? So biggest priority for the year ahead is to support Metrobank in its, in its turnaround plans, both with my seat on the executive committee, but also the role that our marketing function play in building the brands, meeting more and deeper customer needs, and for marketing to be a, a growth machine in accelerating and, and driving revenue. And doing all of that whilst cherishing the amazing culture that I've just spoken about. Um, it's our special source. It's why people join us. It's why people stay with us. It's where the extraordinary magic happens. And we're so proud of it. But also to keep delivering and keep pushing the boundaries on delivering extraordinary service because that's why our customers come and bank with us. It's why, what turns them into fans. It's why they genuinely love the service. So holding on to both those two things, that, that really is our competitive advantage. It's no secret. We talk about it all the time. Love it. I'm just going to talk about your leadership style now, because um, I'm always really fascinated to find out more. So how would you define your leadership style? If you were asking me this in a very professional nature, you know, something I put on my LinkedIn profile, I'd probably refer to myself as a customer obsessed commercial marketer who leads high performing teams that transform businesses. And that's all true. But really, if you're asking my team, what would they say about me? They would say, and I, I would say that, first of all, my team are the most important thing to me. I genuinely care about them. I will always prioritise them. I talk about surrounding yourself with rock stars. Leaders, I believe, are nothing without a great team. And the leader fosters that team. So your team is absolutely everything. You know, I will always protect that team time in my diary. I will never move a one-to-one. -one. I will never cancel a team meeting. That's sacred to me. I'm also super collaborative. I get my energy from working with other people. I don't like working on my own. I really struggle being at home. So I need to be around people and working together because I believe that everything we do, especially in marketing, it, it's a we thing. It's, it's not a me thing. We, we succeed together or we don't succeed at all. I move at 100 miles an hour. So I'm the sort of person who gets stuff done quickly. You want something done, you know, I'm going to get it done. And that comes with high energy. It's probably irritating for lots of people as well, how quickly I move. They would say, Jess, just take a take a moment, you know, have, have some downtime. Mm -hmm. But 
I think sort of with that, you know, I'm not really afraid of facing into the challenges. So if there needs to be difficult conversation, I'm very happy to have it. But I also love working together to find solutions. And I love a bit of pressure. I think pressure is great. Stress is not. Pressure is good. Because pressure gives us focus. And I think it's where we learn the most. So applying a bit of pressure to ourselves, um, I think, is a really handy, handy thing. How's your leadership style been um, influenced over the year? Or, or, you know, are you picking up tips from other people or podcasts or, or particular business books or something? My leadership style across the year has really been focused on, on people. You know, th- this has been such an extraordinary time. And this is the time where teams really need to come together to support each other, to support our, our customers. And so I don't think we could have over communicated with our colleagues throughout the year because having conversations, especially when we're not sat next to each other side by side, has been really important. In any times of crisis, you'd all be in a war room together working through it. But actually, when you're sitting at home, you need to find ways to be able to kind of build that and foster that virtually. There are some leaders who I've always admired, actually, and I think that I've taken a, a, a lot from them. So I absolutely love Helena Morrissey. She's a dame, which is very cool. She was a CEO at the age of 37. She's the mother of nine children. And she also founded the 30% Club back in 2010, which was to get more female representation on boards. She's also written a book, Good Time to Be a Girl. So I recommend reading that. I think she's, she's fabulous. I also love following her on Instagram. Uh, she has a wonderful, uh, wonderful account. So yeah, f- follow Helen and Morrissey. From, from my marketing inspiration, I can't look past the wonderful Rita Clifton. She's a CBE. She was the CEO and chairman of, of Interbrand for 10 years. She's also written a great book called Love Your Imposter. And I just can't put it down. I'm nearly at the end now, nearly there. She also talks about Helen Morrissey in her book, but she's really inspiring about how you manage careers, career paths, imposter syndrome. And there's so many aha moments in there. And she goes into a really personal story, which I can really relate to. So that's brilliant. And then from a, a mon- another marketing um, perspective, I just... I adore Mark Ritson. I know that's a completely polarizing thing to say. Some people love him, some people don't. I I love him, I hang on his every word. I love it how he calls a spade a spade, totally gets to the crux, really demystifies marketing and takes away all the jargon that people have learned to speak with, which is just super confusing for lots of of your um, colleagues um, who aren't in marketing. And I love how he gets to the point about marketing being all about driving growth. And he's done loads of really good podcasts. So I, I listen to him quite frequently. Yeah, he's one of those people who can uh, wind people up. But I always think he's rarely wrong, isn't he? He's 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 a kind of a no bullshit kind of guy. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. As I said, call a spade a spade. No, no bullshit. But yeah, he's yeah, he's just he's really um, entertaining to listen to. So apart from uh, reading everything that Mark Ritson has has written and all of his different podcasts, et cetera, uh, what advice would you give young marketers entering the industry? One of the things that I think that I missed out on but managed to recreate from not going on a graduate programme was try everything. 
So that is, you know, create your own program, try everything, move around quickly, not too quickly, you, know, you need to understand what you're doing, but don't become an expert too quickly. There are many disciplines within within marketing, you know, and the disciplines fundamentally change the same, but some of the say the same, some of the chat the tactics change as we go. So try as much as you can. Get loads of experience. I believe that marketing is the, the perfect balance of art and, and science, which means that you need to be absolutely customer obsessed and data driven, especially if you're going to speak the language of the rest of the organization. Do not be fluffy. Be really clued up on your numbers. Absolutely understand the priorities of the business, what where growth is going to come from and your role in, in driving that. Be curious. Ask lots of questions but listen to the answers and really listen to what your partners across the business and your colleagues are saying so you truly understand um, where they're coming from and what their priorities are. And even though we need to be data-driven and really focused on insight, actually gut instincts will get you a really long way. So definitely trust your gut. That's great advice. <clears throat> Thank you. So we're coming on to the part of the podcast now where we're going to get a little bit more personal. So let's start with... What's your guilty pleasure? I couldn't decide between a gin and tonic or a Ferrero Rocher. So I've chosen them both Have probably both. at the same time. I'm known for eating a whole tray of Ferrero Rocher in one go, just can't help myself. <laughs> and do you call everyone ambassador while you're doing it? Yeah, I could be a perfect ambassador, absolutely. <laughs> and what's your idea of a perfect weekend? Well, right now, a weekend not in lockdown, but lockdown yes. aside... Ideally, I just I'm just dreaming of a long weekend in the summer on the beach, seaside somewhere with my family, you know, beach games, swimming, a bit of paddleboarding, eating out on a warm summer evening. Yeah, I'd give anything to do that right now. It sounds absolutely perfect. And just top it all off with a gin and tonic and a Ferrero Rocher. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we are talking. On the geeky side, what app couldn't you live without? Instagram. I must check it 40 plus times a day. I am obsessed. Um, I mentioned Helena Morrison on Instagram, fabulous. But, you know, my influencers, the mummy bloggers, fashion bloggers, keeping in touch with um, friends and family who, who live um, abroad. Yeah, I just I'm a very visual creative person. So I'm really drawn into Instagram. Fabulous. And if you could invent something, what would it be? Teleport. Oh, nice. So I could be closer to friends and family who live um, around the world especially all of our friends and family in Australia plus having been in lockdown for a year now I just want to visit and see everything so teleport would get me there and if Tamara and I could gift you an extra hour every day what would you do with it I'd spend more time with my children I feel really guilty all the time and I think that and that is the working parent challenge which is when you're at home, you think you should be at work. When you're at work, you think you should be at home. But you no, know, my family and my children are always going to be my, my number one priority. And as wonderful as it's been to spend such time with them over lockdown, an extra hour a day would just be, yeah, amazing. Because they, they're four and seven and they just grow up so fast. They do. They do. They, they, that's lovely ages. They're just coming into their personalities. And, that's it. Yeah. And how would your friends describe you? My friends would probably say I have a professional side and a personal side and that actually they're, they're both very different. You might see flashes of them, but actually they're very different. So I don't take myself too seriously. I'm, I'm fun. I'm witty. I 
I'm a really supportive friend, but I also would be known as a great dinner party host and kitchen disco host. That's what happens in the Myers household on the weekend when we're allowed people around. Oh, that sounds amazing. I've got myself a fabulous kitchen disco ball, which is looking forward to having a workout once we're all allowed to have friends around. Okay, we need to know more about this disco kitchen ball. So is it coming from the ceiling or is it a sort of static plug-in on the side that can go into different rooms? Well, it's a static plug-in on the side because I didn't want to fix it to the ceiling just yet. But, but I think that I could probably get a second one to really add to the impact of it, especially when we will head, head, head out into the garden. So yeah, a couple dotted around strategically, I think it's going to really bring kitchen disco vibes this summer. I love it. I, it probably makes the next question redundant. I was actually going to ask you if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Hmm. I like you know, <laughs> that, but just for the avoidance of doubt, total extrovert, you know. And I think what really speaks to me here is just my need to be around people. I get my energy yeah. from people, and that's the classic of an extrovert. And I think it's everyone has suffered in different ways, but the extroverts have really suffered over the last year with not being able to meet people. I think uh, that that's been one of the common themes. Hmm. Now, if you could have one superpower, what would it be, Jess? Whilst we were in lockdown watching excessive amounts of movies, we watched a movie called About Time. And in that movie, watch it's lovely, the story's beautiful, but in there, the chap is able to um, click his fingers to relive the day again. And I'd love that because he, you know, if he's had a really bad meeting at work, he can click his fingers and go, I wish I'd said that and stuff again. Or the girl he loves, you know, when he has his first conversation with her, and he goes, oh, I fluffed that. I would rather do it again. So he clicks his fingers and starts again. So he, he can use it when he wants to use it, but it doesn't, you know, overpower his life. So, um, yeah, I'd love to be able to click my fingers and just start the day again and just do it the way I wanted to do it. Cool. Now we're coming to the end. Uh, it's been so brilliant to have you on, on the podcast and and hear all about your story and, and your background. Is there anything that you wish that we had asked you or do you want to sort of share any closing thoughts? You've got the stage now. I don't think so. I think that these questions are amazing. I've never done a podcast quite like this one um, before. And so thank you for the time to answering personal questions. It's far harder than asking, answering questions about the business that you that you work on. But I think that, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be with you um, again today, Tamara. And I, I remember fondly back to our first podcast together, which was, in fact, my first ever podcast and, and how wonderful and coaching you were for me and and how supportive it was. So, yeah, I'm just delighted to be back with you again. So thank you so much for your, for your time and all of your wonderful questions. I do remember that. That was with the wonderful Gemma Greaves and uh, Emma Harris at the uh, with the Marketing Society. And I think my uh, words to you were, the, oh, come on, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You know, back to the idea of imposter syndrome and so on. Just take a deep breath and just say yes to everything, right? That's one of the themes coming through make sure you're getting all the experience that you need along the way so yeah that was a that was a wonderful moment you've been listening to genuine humans brought to you by the social element if you loved what you heard remember to subscribe or you can find out more at www.thesocialelement.agency Thank you.